0: Hello. Hey. So I got bad news.
1: Aw. What's your bad news?
0: We gotta shut down, man.
1: Damn. Uh, alright. What happened? Was it, uh... (laughs) What did we do? Did we get hauled in by the FBI, or...?
0: No, it's just, we're both homeowners now, so... We're both two in the system, I think.
1: Yeah, but, like, Engels owned a straight-up factory, you know?
0: (laughs) Oh, shit, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, he was he was kind of the finance behind the you know Marx was always kind of a bum, but Engels, his best bro, was a, yeah he was a straight up factory owner.
0: So. He was somebody's boss.
1: I mean, yeah, he I think he like tried to be nice or something, but he was a factory Ugh. owner. Like gross. Yeah.
0: Okay, I don't feel as bad anymore. Fuck it.
1: No, dude, there's no ethical consumption in capitalism. It's true. Or ethical means of having a I don't know. <laughs> don't feel that bad about it. Everyone does shitty things.
0: Okay, that's true. <laughs> I really like my house and my recording setup is better and worse at the same time because this room is so fucking empty that I have to like put up blankets so I don't echo.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love your house too. It's cool. Thank you. And it's super awesome. <laughs> uh, you. And you have so much room. But yeah, I guess we do have to give up the communist mantle now. Yeah, we're not bourgeoisie, but
0: we're pretty close. <laughs>
1: We, uh, Well, you know, I mean, you can't be like, you have to be materialist about it. So you have to say, how do you get your, how do you make your living? Is it from in some way selling your labor or not?
0: Oh, okay. I I sell my labor.
1: And if you're selling your labor, then you're still not, you don't own the means of production. So regardless of if you owned a mansion, if you were still drawing a wage from someplace. Okay, good. You'd still be in the proletariat. That
0: was a close one.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you tell that to like a blue collar worker, they're going to, you know, tell you to fuck off, but (laughs) that's okay. Technically you're still in the, in the proletariat.
0: Okay, good, good. (laughs) Now that we are clear to go, what are we learning about today?
1: Uh, today we're going to be learning about the early history of leftist parties or like kind of socialist or communist parties in the United States. Hell yeah. We kind of mentioned this in, in our listener Q and a episode when one of our listeners asked about how it seems that the left in America kind of draws on a lot of Soviet imagery mm-hmm. and kind of things get presented as anything socialist or communist gets kind of presented as sort of Russian influenced yeah, or foreign just, influenced.
0: We kind of piggyback off of that.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, we want to kind of explore instead how far back did those roots go and what can we say about, the tradition, the American tradition of leftism.
0: Hell yeah. That sounds great because I, I think most people don't realize that there is an American tradition of leftism. So yes, let's get into it.
1: All right, let's get into it. Uh, so a, a few themes to kind of keep in mind as we're going through this because we're, like we said, we're only covering the early stuff right now. Mm-hmm. We'll get into our dividing line is going to be the Russian Revolution because the parties in America also kind of change after that it's world war one also yeah it's the same time area but that's a good dividing line
0: okay we can always come back
1: yeah and we're we're going to be revisiting some of the same characters in our next part too cool they don't just all die in 1917 <laughs> and, and
0: then everyone's start over. <laughs> then a meteor hits
1: <laughs> yeah so some themes in this in this early part are gonna be one of course is that it's old as you'll see by the dates that we're talking about here <laughs> like old. This is talking about stuff from when Marx was still alive. Okay. All right, like in the 1850s.
0: That's pretty old.
1: Yeah. So, like, this has been around a long time. It is, like we said, we're focusing on the United States here. All right. So, one thing is that while you know, a lot of the groups that we'll talk about do have a lot of like recent immigrants taking part in it, it's still like American grown. Okay. And it's, it's something that, is, that will run counter to that idea, like we were saying, of it being some sort of a Russian import or mm-hmm. anything like that. It is possible to do here and to pursue here. And another, I guess, to keep in mind is that these parties will see some of what they tried to do and some of what they actually accomplished. Okay, We'll see some of their goals and stuff and, and be like, man... I wish we could still do that today. (laughs) You know, obviously they didn't get that done, but some of them will be like, oh, cool. They were, you know, in that fight. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you want to start from the top? Let's do it. All right. So we're going to start a little bit before we actually have the political parties. Okay. Maybe that's an important distinction to make too, is we're not going to be focused on like labor unions Mm -hmm. or just social organizations too much in this one. We'll mention a little bit of them because they're vital in this process yeah
0: yeah they're part of the story
1: yeah but we're talking mainly about the political parties here okay but going back to before that i suppose uh you had utopian socialist communities hell yeah in the united states oh sounds nice well <laughs> kind of oh they're kind of nice problematic yeah well if you remember in the manifesto marx had a lot of shit to talk about these guys
0: oh yeah i remember he did smack talk them
1: yeah he he didn't have a lot of use for utopian socialists and actually utopian socialists didn't call themselves that that was the mean nickname that marx and (laughs) his friends gave to them
0: oh what did they call themselves
1: they just would call themselves socialists and stuff okay but marx was like you guys are loser utopian socialists
0: (laughs) okay why were they losers
1: Uh, The difference here is basically that the utopian socialists had they were kind of dreamers. They had these ideas like, oh, we're going to make society great. We're going to make it like this. It's going to be awesome. Everyone's going to love it. Let's figure out how we can get there. Okay. Right. And Marx and materialist socialists. Or scientific socialists is how they would describe themselves. Interesting. Yeah, they take a look at history and say this is how it has developed, Mm -hmm. right? Like we were looking at the manifesto and it's like this is how history has developed.
0: Yeah, yeah. All those stages.
1: Uh Uh-huh, yeah. And so those conflicts are eventually going to, you know, reach a crisis point and then people are going to develop that into a new thing because of the material conditions. Okay. So not because of like... I'm Marx and I like these cool things. Let's go do them. But because this is what history is leading us to.
0: Okay, so Mark saw it more as like an inevitable thing, whereas these people are like, I'm gonna go start my own Animal Crossing island.
1: Uh, yeah, kind of. Um, okay, that's that's pretty much it. I always kind of struggle with the inevitable part because it makes me think like, why don't I just sit on my ass then if it's just gonna happen?
0: Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that it feels it feels a little lazy. <laughs> Which I'm all for laziness,
1: but the way Marx looked at it, and scientific socialists of his stripe look at it, it's only inevitable because people. Uh, the argument is that people will go do these things because of the social forces at play. Okay, so it does still depend on if everyone decides there. No, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hang out. Then it won't actually happen, <laughs> and I think we're we may be in the hell world that was produced by people in the past doing that. I was gonna say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it feels like, yeah, everyone has made this decision to chill, which I get, but also damn.
1: <laughs> yeah. But the utopian socialists were people who really didn't, you know, they didn't so much take a look at historical stages and say, oh, this is going to, this should develop into this next stage. They were just like, what should people, how should, how should it run? Yeah. Let's go do that. You know? Yeah. Which is kind of cool in its own way. I like it. But yeah, some of the prominent names there were Robert Owen. Charles Fourier, Etienne Cabet, and lots of people, actually. I can't list them all, but. Those are the big players. There's Yeah, those are some of them. There's also Henry de Saint Simon, someone from France. Um, and there's a lot of others, but um, those are some of the utopian socialists and stuff. Okay. They uh, formed, like followers of theirs, rather, formed uh, communities uh, out in the west or out in the countryside pretty much um, of the United States. Okay. Some of the settlements included Brook Farm, New Harmony, uh, the Amana colonies, the Oneida community, uh, the Icarins, the Bishop Hill Commune.
0: Icarus is in like Icarus?
1: Yeah, as in Icarus. Not like <laughs> that the seems greatest like
0: we're gonna fuck up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're dooming yourself to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, a little bit. At least, I guess, if you know you have hubris, then maybe you're better off, but still.
1: I, I mean, it's called the Icarian Movement, uh, which has got to be named after Icarus, right? It's got to be. Um, but yeah, some of these are, are are pretty interesting, but they all eventually fail. Um, they uh, typically run into a problem when like, their main building burns down. Oh, okay. Uh, I guess fire was a more common problem to have back then. (laughs) A lot of times they, you know, had community buildings and shit. And so if that went down and you were already like struggling to make ends meet, that's it. You know, (laughs) you're you're done.
0: It's kind of all over.
1: So, yeah, there were some of those that kind of inspired people to start thinking in proto-socialist or socialist terms.
0: Yeah. So there are just these communities where like, hey, let's all chill and be nice to each other kind of thing.
1: Uh yeah yeah, this one guy Cabet, um or Cabot, started a colony in Texas, uh, in Ooh. Denton. <gasps> I
0: love Denton.
1: Uh, they got uh, they were supposed to settle in the Red River Valley, but their deed was like way off, and they got <laughs> yeah. And they were when they showed up, it was like actually your land's gonna be over in in Denton.
0: Hell yeah, go
1: Eagles. And it was way less land than they were intending to get. And I think they end up running into a lot of problems there. It doesn't turn out well for them. But, yeah, um, these are kind of some of the earliest experiments, I guess, in socialism that you see in the United States. Uh, You also had anarchists um, doing some of this as well. I like this. Yeah, uh, our last real dabbling in just anarchism was we're talking about emma goldman hell yeah uh who was cool we um (laughs) five stars yeah totally cool we talked about her kind of experience with like propaganda of the deed and labor agitation and stuff but before that uh there was a guy named josiah warren okay uh, Josiah Warren was, is kind of, he didn't describe himself as an anarchist, but he's considered now to be America's first prominent, like anarchist thinker. Okay. And he was more individualist. Um, he wasn't capitalist, uh, but he was like society, man, you can't tell me what to do. You know, Classic. Okay.
0: Exercise. that More on that side.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. He was, you know, born in 1798, kind of did his stuff in the 1830s, 1820s and 1830s. Uh, he was interesting, I think, for his his naming prowess. He was really good at naming things.
0: Okay, lay, lay some names on me.
1: All right. So, for one thing that he did was start a store in downtown Cincinnati. Okay. Called the Cincinnati Time Store.
0: Okay. Wait. <laughs> Does that mean they sell time? Uh. Like the herb or the concept or clocks?
1: No. So it's spelled time like like minutes on a clock. Okay. And I guess it didn't so much sell time as much as exchange time for things. Sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) So his whole, um, his big thing about what he was, what he was trying to experiment with here was, uh, was called, was called the cost, the limit of price. Okay. All right. Uh, basically he did, he was tired of people ripping people off. So, He wanted to set up a store, and this became the Cincinnati Time Store, uh, where everything that you bought and sold there was traded. uh, You exchanged notes, like pieces of paper, that were backed by a promise to perform labor. Okay. So, time. Like, labor vouchers, basically.
0: Oh, okay. So, let's, let's come up with a scenario. All right. You would, is this for services? Like you'd go in and be like, I need to get something repaired.
1: Nah, this is for like a broom or a whatever that you're buying, like some, some tobacco or a, uh, a new farmer's hat. I was just trying to come up with some agrarian stuff. I guess You'd
0: go in and be like, I want a new hat. Can I work for that hat?
1: You would sell something or you know buy it with something else like with with those vouchers if you already had them or sell some to get that or trade or whatever uh the labor the labor voucher note kind of um and the other thing that he did here was that all the things in the store were sold for the price of whatever the merchant paid for them plus like a fixed percentage to cover like the the overkeep of the store oh that's kind of cool like the what is it the overhead, overhead. Yeah, the overhead so was, he was basically like, "Let's do fair prices, and let's have good money that is honest." I guess instead of like backed by gold or commodities.
0: That's real fucking weird. I gotta say, <laughs> that sounds really complicated.
1: It does. It doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like it would work. But apparently, it di- it didn't fail. <laughs> it was only around for like three years before he closed the store and decided to go do something else. Um, like, founding colonies and stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, going and setting up his own communities.
0: You know, like you do.
1: Yeah, he got tired of it, and he was like, this is fun, but I'm gonna go. It'd be like if um, Timmy and Tommy went and started their own... <laughs> their own island. island. Yes. yeah.
0: <laughs> I would go there.
1: That was Josiah Warren. You can picture him with his little, his little outfit in uh, Josiah Warren's cranny.
0: Oh, he needs a brother, though, that repeats everything he says.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess he could have Joshua. or so He's Josiah, so Joshua. There you look, go, yeah. You know? So he also, like we said, he started another, quit that and went to go start a community called another great name here. It was called, the name of the town, two words, Modern Times.
0: <laughs> this guy loved time.
1: Modern times. Yeah, I guess that was his thing. Modern (laughs) times.
0: I looked up a picture of him. He looks crazy.
1: He does, doesn't he?
0: He looks like Lincoln if he were like trapped in a cave or something. I don't know. (laughs) He comes out years later. His beard game is pretty crazy.
1: (laughs) Modern times was a utopian anarchist community. Okay. There was no government, no laws, no police force. Fuck yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it was just let's live out here. How'd that go? Uh it went well for a while. They didn't have crime or violence during their thirteen year history. Cool. So that was good.
0: That's good because you know most people when they, you know, hear about even communist communities,
1: but um anarchist communities especially, they're just like, Well,
0: what happens if someone brings a gun and just shoots everybody?
1: Yeah, I mean that's the classic uh <laughs> without police the city would tear itself apart.
0: <laughs> yes. Latin exactly. from
1: Robocop. I feel like I see the world through a lens of robocop now after (laughs) a conversation on that
0: you have your uh cctv uh visor on with the really (laughs) bad lines across it
1: yep (laughs) uh so modern times no it eventually didn't work basically because this labor voucher system that he kept going for this town they It just didn't work very well. A lot of residents had to go like work in other towns to get money to buy shit that they could, like you know, that they needed. That sucks. Uh, Eventually, it changes its name to a normal. It becomes a normal ass town. It becomes like uh, Brentwood, New
0: York. (laughs) Brentwood,
1: which is just like a normal place. Yeah, that
0: wasn't. That's not as good as a name. It's boring.
1: After that, boo. But yeah, no. Those are some of the kind of early experiments, and I guess Americans first exposure to socialist communist anarchist ideas are through these sorts of things and i guess it's not a great example (laughs) to start out with you know they're the crazy folks that want to go out there try some crazy scheme and they have to come back you know a decade later because it fails
0: in a way it makes me feel better because i feel like once a week i'm just like fuck i just want to live in a commune with my friends and i'm like Maybe I'm like, so like on a macro level, that was their first thought mm-hmm. on, on an individual level. That's my first thought.
1: Yeah. And they did it and they made the mistakes. So you don't have to, <laughs> Yeah, is that it doesn't work that, well. now there, it's not to say that there aren't like commune or planned communities like this out there that are doing things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And trying to live in a, in a way that better conforms to their values, I suppose. I don't want to shit on that and say it's, terrible it doesn't seem like it's something that's more widely applicable to society overall
0: do you think it's just because it's kind of like they skipped the revolution part and went straight to utopia do you think that's the problem or do you think it's because i mean we talk about this a lot too where if you're just a small commune and the rest of society around you is still capitalist like shit's gonna be hard
1: That's, yeah, that's the main thing, I think, is that you are a very small island in a sea of capitalism. (laughs) Um, You, you, we don't realize how much we depend on the capitalist mode of production to keep us alive. Yeah. Because it's the only, you know, it's the only game here. Yeah. That's one of the reasons that people say there's no ethical consumption under capitalism, like we mentioned before, is you got to live, man. And you can't just... It's the stupid critique of like, Oh, you're posting about leftism on an iPhone. Oh (laughs) yeah, man. That's like what I got. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. The revolution part. I think there's the chance for a reformist path. Mm -hmm. It could work.
0: I feel like we don't have time for it anymore, but sure. (laughs) If this, if it had happened like 20, 30 years ago, I'd be like, yeah, maybe. But like, We're out of time. Yeah, climate change, man. We don't got a lot of time to fix that.
1: It's time to pull our goalie and go.
0: (laughs) Exactly, exactly.
1: We've been watching the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yes. My household roots for the just knocked out uh, Philadelphia Flyers. So now we're going for my preferred team, uh, the Dallas Stars.
0: Hell yeah, it's my team too. I don't actually watch and take a a nap while Kyle watches.
1: (laughs) So... Those are the utopian communities, socialists, anarchists, trying to start communes and struggling.
0: Pobody's nerfect.
1: Yeah. Now let's get to um, the actual political parties and groups and stuff like that. A ton of this is going to come from a book called The Working Men's Party of the United States, A History of the First Marxist Party in the Americas.
0: That sounds, yeah, like the episode title. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh yeah this is by philip s Foner. um he's a prominent labor historian uh, and we'll start in 1857 when a very cool club opened up in new york
0: okay what was it
1: it was called the communist club
0: that sounds great i would love to go there
1: yeah the communist club of new york or the new york communist club i guess they were flexible with the name that's fine Uh, They were founded in 1857. It's the first Marxist organization in the Western Hemisphere. That's awesome. They were kind of nerds, like, you know, (laughs) middle class activist people. Okay. uh, For the most part. But they were very politically interested. They were uh, particularly all about the abolitionist struggle. It was 1857, so they're... Oh, yeah. That would be the time. They had in their kind of club rules... We recognize no distinction as to nationality or race, caste or status, color or sex. Our goal is but reconciliation of all human interests, freedom and happiness for mankind, and the realization and unification of a world republic.
0: Fuck yeah. Listeners, you can't see this, but I'm bobbing my head like this is a bop.
1: <laughs> yeah, they uh, they were cool. They eventually branched out to Chicago and Cincinnati, so by 1858 they kind of had multiple branches and stuff. If you're wondering, where the hell did we get all these communists from? Why are they <laughs> pouring into America all of a sudden or sprouting up all over here in the place? Like we had communists in America since before the Civil War. So, there you go.
0: Yeah, that's fucking <laughs> awesome.
1: Next up we have, sorry that this this is just going to kind of go breakneck pace sort of yeah yeah. all these we're doing an overview we'll get a little bit into each one but yeah it's an overview uh so in 1864 a group was established in london that ends up having a big impact on america it's called the international working men's association okay uh also called the first international classy it's a federation basically a meeting of groups Um, Left-wing, socialist, communist, anarchist, unions, uh, just workers groups, all these. They get together and talk about like their plans for spreading worker class consciousness, for growing unions, for planning for a revolution or reform, and for arguing a bunch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like it. That's a big tent.
1: Definitely did a lot of arguing. Yeah. That was in 1864. It starts in London, and they kind of meet throughout... Throughout the, the successive years, you know, it takes a lot longer, I guess, to to travel and to correspond and everything. Back then, they eventually break up. The first international does in eighteen seventy two, when the two main factions, the anarchists and the socialists, those two, the black and the red faction, is how they termed themselves. They split up. Mark
0: can never get along. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, like Marx played a role in this directly. Like he was there in the oh, Congress, like arguing about shit. He was obviously leading the socialist and communist side. Yeah. And a guy named Mikhail Bakunin was the main leader and orator for the anarchist side. And one of their Congresses he couldn't make it. His side, you know, ends up losing oh. the proceedings and uh they get expelled and so they expelled. end up splitting. Yeah. Oh.
0: Okay, that sucks.
1: It's like some drama, pretty much. <laughs> it like, sounds
0: a little messy.
1: Reading about this stuff is very annoying because you're really trying to come away with stuff that people care about. And what people really don't care about is infighting in <laughs> leftist organizations.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's just a little soap opera. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but to these people, it's like the most important thing that can possibly be happening at that moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, did you hear what that fucker said about me?
1: <laughs> yeah, and I guess I get it because... It's, you know, we all fall into this. There's very important things happening in our world uh, and in our own lives mm-hmm. that we really get, allow ourselves to get sidetracked from by <laughs> things that seem very like, I've got to fix this. This person posted something bad about me. <laughs> um, when really there are bigger things to worry yeah, about. Yeah. Geez, that that's sucks. That's been going on for a long time, apparently. <laughs> oh. But yeah, they end up breaking up. It's important, though, the group is important because. It does uh, do some important uh, work in terms of advancing labor issues, defending and expanding unions, fighting for the eight-hour workday. Fuck yeah. Uh, it leads to the growth of leftism in the United States because they start founding like groups that are called Sections of the First International. Okay. Uh, so like Section 1, Section 2, Section 3, uh, in the United States. Cool. They're like local branches.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I was, I was wondering how it would relate back to the States. That's awesome.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first one of those in America, Section 1, was the Communist Club of New York. They, those guys. Yeah, they get rewarded for being the OG Nice. Uh, Ultimately, around 5,000 people become official members of the International Workingmen's Association in the United States. There's not like official. This is from historians looking back and trying to estimate it because they just didn't keep very good (laughs) records.
0: (laughs) They weren't nerds.
1: And some of these guys. Another reason it's important is that some of these guys who first get involved here go on to be involved in the main political parties that we're going to be talking about cool this is kind of a forerunner to that
0: so what did these organizations like so you talked about them fighting for certain things mm-hmm. was that their main thing or was there just like a lot of like talking about theory and shit or like what did at they the meetings do? yeah what were these meetings like you think
1: at the meetings they were kind of planning sessions and talking about shit okay. for the most part they would decide like Uh, what do we think we should do? Should we try to, you know, uh, for instance, the Paris commune comes up during this time in 1871, uh, where the people of Paris rise up and say, we're our, we're an autonomous commune now. It's cool as fuck. It's crazy. Mark spent a ton of time talking about these guys and analyzing it and everything. It's crazy. And, and so they were talking like, well, what should we do? What should we do about these guys? Should we endorse them? Should we go help them? Should, yeah. what, are, what are we doing? Are they correct? Uh, you know, that sort of thing. And a lot of argument about that or various things that are going on. This union over here in this country, should we help them out? Are they actually just assholes? Like, what should we do?
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. So just kind of figuring out how to react.
1: Kind of a lot of debate. Yeah. How to react. What to... like what sort of political strategies to follow in different countries like the london guys would show up and be like okay so we're doing this and there's these things we want to try to you know we want to try to fight for fewer hours here but we don't know that sort of thing okay cool you can imagine it's very unruly and chaotic
0: yeah that sounds like a lot to keep track of
1: (laughs) yeah it's like all over the world way different conditions i mean in the u.s even between regions of it so like
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and just like communication back then was uh not as easy <laughs> you gotta like send letters and shit
1: yep uh it was it was wild so they end up you know breaking up it just doesn't work
0: anyway. yeah that sounds like a pain in the ass i w- i would not want to go to those meetings. they sound like they'd be really long and confusing
1: <laughs> yeah and hot like you don't have air conditioning or anything. <laughs> you're in a three-piece suit probably
0: probably yeah oh no
1: So then we get to the first political party. Okay. And not organization, but the first political party in the United States that is like Marxist socialist, that sort of thing. Cool. January 1874. You have two political parties that start kind of at the same time called the Working Men's Party of Illinois. Okay. And the Social Democratic Working Men's Party of North America. Good job. (laughs) Not great <laughs> names overall.
0: Yeah, a little long.
1: The first one's in, based in Chicago. The second one's based in New York City. Uh, the background to this is the Panic of 1873.
0: I think we learned about that
1: before. You would think so, but it was the Panic of 1893. Damn it. Uh, and uh, how, does it, how does this work? Well, basically, the panics just happen in cycles. Okay, yeah. <laughs> just like we still do. We just call them recessions.
0: Yeah, like bubbles, right?
1: Yeah, uh, it's the same pattern, though. And when you're wondering (laughs) what caused that, well, it was speculation that eventually burst. There were runs on the bank. All the credit dried up. Businesses started cutting jobs, unemployment.
0: Sounds familiar. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. It's like (laughs) it's built to happen that way.
0: I love it. (laughs) Why does this keep happening?
1: (laughs) Uh, so you have mass meetings of the unemployed Okay. in big cities like Chicago and New York, and that's where these groups come out of. And this is not like out of the blue. This is because uh, of the hard work of labor organizing and everything that had been going that groups backed by the first international had been doing, you know, that mm-hmm. fruitless work of trying to spread and build those labor unions and everything that doesn't pay off. Mm hmm. You don't really see anything happen. You don't win a presidential election. You don't even get out of the prime or whatever. Like, you don't really see the fruits of it until now when you've got, you know, actual labor consciousness and stuff. The ground was at that point ripe for forming an actual political party to demand that the government provide work for these workers. Yeah. They might not have been in a place where they were able to. Where they were ready to kind of actually make that demand, they might not have no, been able to conceive of that had they not been organizing.
0: They wouldn't have had that vocabulary, maybe, or, mm-hmm. yeah, just had that idea. That's cool, then. It wasn't all for nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. The Illinois branch nominates, uh, one of the things that I saw with them is that they nominated candidates for a local election, like a city council. Okay. And their group, uh, the workers there that were out of work and stuff, they're mostly German immigrants. And so the wards that they're nominating council members for are mostly from German immigrant communities. They get completely, I mean, like we thought the Democratic primary in Iowa was, was bad, the Iowa caucuses, <laughs> yeah, like we but... thought that was rigged. They get completely voter frauded out of there. <gasps> they're like party membership the people dedicated enough to sign up for the party and everything. Mm-hmm. The people that are going to go vote, right? They had like 2,500 party members. They find out that they only end up getting 785 votes now. And they're like, dude, we all <laughs> voted. What do you yeah. mean?
0: How does that work?
1: Uh, but I mean, that's, it's just not modern. It's not new. Oh uh, God.
0: Would I mean, they just throw out their ballots or what?
1: Probably. Yeah. They just threw <laughs> them in the river or whatever. Like.
0: <laughs> Set them on fire. Yeah, Jesus. light
1: cigars with them. But that's just an example of kind of the early struggles that they face. The parties in Illinois and New York st- kept agitating in labor movements and backing local strikes and stuff, mm-hmm. getting involved with those. And eventually, uh, in only like a couple years, they call a convention together between those parties and like other socialist and and labor type groups mm-hmm. that aren't really parties yet and they call a convention together to try to form a national
0: party oh yeah
1: and that happens in july of 1876 where they found the working men's party of the united states
0: nice a little gendered but that's okay it is a little gendered yeah <laughs> um
1: and they used i'm gonna talk kind of about their party platform and stuff like that and they use gendered language there too in terms of mankind and yeah, working yeah. man and stuff but like
0: it's olden times. I'll give him a pass.
1: So this is the first Marxist political party at the national level in the United States. Fuck yeah. The next year, they end up changing their name to the Socialist Labor Party.
0: Also good. I like that.
1: It's, uh, there's an interesting side note that Foner talked about in his book when they were deciding on the name. <laughs> Initially, they were going to do like the Socialist Something Party, and that got tossed out for the Working Men's Party. Because they were like, well, should we really put socialist in the name, you know? <laughs> and uh, one of their one of the people at the meeting said, in any case, we will be called communist regardless of what name we adopt.
0: Oh, my God. I feel that so hard.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah. This is a world where even Joe Biden can be called a communist. So <laughs>
0: exactly. Like... Yeah. They will take <laughs> anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. Not a new problem.
1: Right. Yeah. That's one of the things I love about looking back at this stuff is okay. seeing ah, oh, damn <laughs> they went through this too oh man they had a cool first meeting where they talked about all the problems of capitalism and what they were going to try to do to fix it cool and i kind of wanted to read some of their indictment of capitalism here do it and see how much of these problems <laughs> we are still plagued with today oh shit they say the present system has enabled capitalists to make laws in their own interests, to the injury and oppression of the workers.
0: Mm-hmm. We got that one.
1: It has made the name democracy a mockery and a shadow.
0: For sure. For giving sure.
1: to property an unproportionate amount of representation and control over <laughs> legislation.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's allowed capitalists to trample upon the rights of American citizens. By dispersing and shooting down the working people when they have peaceably assembled together to discuss their wrongs and the means of redress. For sure. It's allowed capitalists to rob humanity of the benefits of progress by using labor-saving machinery to still further enslave us instead of reducing the hours of labor. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's prevented humanity from fulfilling their natural destinies on earth. Crushed out ambition, prevented marriages, or caused false and unnatural ones, has shortened human life, destroyed morals and fostered crime, corrupted judges, ministers, and statesmen, and made life a selfish, merciless struggle for existence, instead of a noble and generous struggle for perfection, in which equal advantages should be given to all, and human lives relieved from an unnatural and degrading competition for bread.
0: Damn, dude. Yeah. Yeah. We <laughs> we are still doing all those things. Fuck.
1: <laughs> ah, these guys it was clear to them in the eighteen seventies.
0: Man, you know that meme where they show like a a space society?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and it's like the world if Yeah. yeah
0: this that would be us if we had gotten our <laughs> shit together back then.
1: <laughs> yeah. Their platform was the eight-hour workday. Nice. With legal punishments for violators of that. Cool. Sanitary workplaces, food, and housing. Cool. They had complicated ways to name all of these. These are just the summarized versions (laughs) of those platform plans. Okay. No using prison labor by private employers. Fuck yes. No child labor. Yeah. Uh, We had. We would have to improve their standards a little bit (laughs) because they said no child under fourteen. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Low bar. But yeah, we're 1870s <laughs> again. Uh, free education. Nice. Employers liable for all accidents to employees. Good. Free courts. Cool. Union organizing rights. They wanted to nationalize the railroads, communications, and all forms of transportation.
0: Ugh. Yes.
1: And they wanted to nationalize most industry and operate them via unions for the people. Fuck Yeah. The Working Men's Party of the United States, soon to be the Socialist Labor Party.
0: Just a big old check mark. Fuck yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How popular do you think these guys were?
0: Oh, probably, I would say not very. I don't know. Wait, what year was it again? Uh,
1: 1876.
0: Shit, I don't know anything
1: about that time. Yeah, not very is (laughs) a pretty good assessment, but they do have some strange successes.
0: Okay. Who's president then, just for reference? that just helps me figure out what year it is in a different way, I don't know.
1: Uh in 1876 it would be Ulysses S Grant.
0: Really? Oh, okay.
1: Ulysses S Grant till 1877 when he leaves office uh for Rutherford B Hayes. Ugh, okay. So, when they're when they change their name, Hayes is probably in office by then, so. Okay. Right after Reconstruction?
0: Okay, yeah. That helps some. Yeah. Listeners, we grew up with a presidential placemat, so that's how I mark time.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Strangely though, the Socialist Labour Party uh was popular enough in eighteen seventy eight that they nominated seven candidates to a state legislature. That's a lot. And they got five of them elected to the state legislature. Christine, you get to oh guess God. the state and I guarantee you, <laughs> you will never guess the state or at least you won't get it on the first guess.
0: Was Wyoming a state?
1: Uh, I think at the time it may have only been a territory. <laughs> okay, never
0: Wyoming. mind. Uh, What about West Virginia?
1: It's a pretty good guess. Yeah? But it's not West Virginia. Okay, well, what is it? Home of humanoid turtle Mitch mcconnell (gasps) kentucky 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 had five members of its state legislature as members of the socialist labor party
0: wow good job kentucky yeah impressive
1: (laughs) wild uh so you know they did have some success i guess uh they were involved with labor unions including the knights of labor who we've mentioned before
0: extremely cool name
1: yeah that one's way better like they Should have done some consulting work for um, Josiah Warren and his time shop. Uh,
0: Eventual Patreon idea is to design an enamel Knights of Labor pin.
1: (laughs) Hey, they, I I don't know if they already exist or something.
0: They probably have merch.
1: The Socialist Labor Party also was heavily influenced, like starting in 1890 and going forward, by a guy named Daniel DeLeon. Okay. Or DeLeon. What's his deal? Uh, He joined the party in 1890 and he was all about pursuing power within labor unions, but also political power. Like at the same time was his thing was that we should, you know, how oftentimes we're like, why don't we do both sort of with different things? Like Mm -hmm. both can be true. He was kind of like that with, should we pursue political goals or labor union goals? He was like, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nice.
1: He apparently was like personally kind of an asshole. Like a lot of times <laughs> okay. people people kind of, he rubbed people the wrong way.
0: Not a popular dude.
1: He could get really worked up about stuff and, and piss people off basically. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he was, I, f- I found this interesting. He was name dropped by Lennon.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty, you know, Americans don't really know about this guy. So it's weird that he would be that well known to Lennon. In 1922, Lennon said, what we have done in Russia is accept the uh, De Leon interpretation of Marxism. That's what the Bolsheviks adopted in 1917. So he's like, oh, we did what you did. Basically. Referencing. Thanks.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: that's pretty famous. And that was quoted by a journalist. So maybe they were trying to like make De Leon look like an asshole mm-hmm. or something because it was an American journalist. So I guess that's a possibility. I like to think that, that Lenin was just thought he was cool. Yeah.
0: Just name dropping him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> De Leon's like, thanks, no problem. Uh,
0: <laughs> Feel free to borrow from my work anytime. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Just attribute me.
0: I do it for my fans. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, we said the, the Socialist Labor Party, they never really do well electorally at the state or national level past a few little places here or there um, that they have limited success, and they still do technically exist.
0: Okay. What are they called today? The same thing? or
1: The Socialist Labor Party. Yeah.
0: Huh. I mean... Well, why move from a classic?
1: Their claim to fame is we're the oldest socialist party in the United States. Nice. But they haven't run someone for president since nineteen seventy six. Whoops. They don't really run very many, you know, electorally very many people overall across anywhere. Shit. They're very they're a very small party now. Okay. But they still exist. Like small like how small? Uh wow.
0: <laughs> how small is it?
1: This may have changed, but they basically on the wikipedia article anyway they were talking about like the trouble that they have publishing a newspaper and a thing and whatever and so they kept they keep like lengthening the amount of time like monthly to bi-monthly whatever. oh no going online publishing quarterly that slow decline by as of january 2007 <laughs> the party had 77 members at large
0: that's nothing
1: <laughs> as well as seven sections of which, four held meetings mm. with an average attendance of three to six members. Mm.
0: I feel like we might have had 77 listeners.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they closed their national office in September 1st, 2008. Oh. But, they, I mean, they still, like, exist, I guess. They just are very...
0: I was not expecting that small man. I thought it was going to be, like, a few thousand. And be like, oh, that's right? still respectable.
1: Yeah, but oh. no, they they were they're kind of a has been.
0: Oh, tragic!
1: If you're a member of the Socialist Labor Party of America, though, and you want to answer some questions for us, or,
0: yeah, come on and pitch them.
1: Yeah, <laughs> or send us an email. We'll gladly talk about it. Yeah, we'll hype you up. So yeah, they that's that's the oldest Marxist party in the United States. Okay. The Socialist Labor Party, eighteen seventy six. Uh, moving on from there, you have the founding of the Social Democracy of America. Okay. 1897, um, Grover Cleveland was president. That guy. Uh, and so some background for the founding of the Social Democracy of America. Uh, it's founded by a guy named Eugene V. Debs. I've heard of him. Yeah, Eugene Debs is Bernie Sanders' hero.
0: <laughs> oh, okay.
1: He's like, he lit- he kind of idolizes the guy. He was a socialist, you know, politician, social activist person in the 1890s, 1900s, 1920 all the way through there. So, Eugene Debs was the founder of that and the background to this is uh, a labor action called the Pullman strike. Okay. When the American Railway Union went on strike, went on strike against the Pullman Rail Company and it shut down Rail traffic across America, everywhere west of Detroit. Basically, it was just shut down for months from May 11th to July 20th, 1894. Nice. Basically, yeah, yeah. Basically, the company, which had billed itself as like, we're nice, responsible capitalists you know we because that's a thing run yeah we run a, a company town everyone's taken care of oh you i'm know, sure they're well they get good housing all this stuff right? was
0: taken care of in quotes
1: <laughs> uh it should have been like they you know they kind of meant it slash carried it out for a little while but when economic problems came to pass they laid off a bunch of workers classic They cut wages for the workers who were still there. But they, you know, run these company towns and they did not reduce rent or utilities at all.
0: Oh, good.
1: So everybody's like, what the hell? I'm going to be thrown out in the street. And so Eugene Debs, who was the leader of the American Railway Union, helped these guys out when they went out on strike. You know, he was like, this union is going to support you, blah, blah, blah. He helps them through that strike. He's actually a little reluctant to do it at first. He's like... Guys, come on. This is going to be really dangerous. We're, you know, everything bad is going to happen pretty much if we do this. And they were like, fuck it. We're going on strike anyway. So we joined them. Fuck yeah. It ends up pretty disastrously. Uh, (laughs)
0: Oh man, he was right.
1: The president. Yeah, the president, Grover Cleveland, uh, sends in federal troops to mow down the strikers. Mm. 30 of them are killed. Mm. 57 of them are wounded. Debs gets thrown in jail where he becomes radicalized. He becomes a socialist. Nice. Previously, Like he has, he's kind of an interesting upbringing. He has, he's like middle class. He's like the son of a grocer, you know, works there and everything goes to work on the railroad. He's like in the unions there, but he's just kind of a moderate, like, let's try to get better pay. That sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's only in these strikes and getting thrown in jail and everything that he's like, this is fucked up, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is Grover Cleveland the one that got elected twice, or is that Taft? I mix them up because they both have the mustaches.
1: Uh, you mean twice, but non-consecutively, right? Yes. Yes, that's Grover Cleveland.
0: Okay, yeah, because in our placement, they just flipped his portrait. <laughs>
1: uh, they had the, they had him facing that way and then facing that way. It's <laughs> I like, love is it. This guy, I think this guy's the same.
0: <laughs> like we wouldn't notice.
1: What if he was like he had different facial hair or something? Had a different. Oh, tone. that'd be great.
0: <laughs> He just changed clothes.
1: Wearing glasses. (laughs) I'm Grover Cleveland. That's Grover Cleveland.
0: (laughs) It's spelled differently. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: Anyway, after that experience and getting converted to socialism and everything, Eugene Debs got the American Railway Union to join up with a bunch of other socialist groups to form the Social Democracy of America. Okay. And so that was this political party. And it's kind of short-lived before... uh, before it it splits up. (laughs) They quickly get into an argument over whether they're going to set up socialist colonies out in various places like the.
0: Oh, like utopian.
1: uh, Or if they're going to try to win power through elections and get people in office Mm. and change things that way. They hold a big vote. The colony guys win. (gasps) And the people who lost the vote, Deb's among them. They're like, fuck it. We'll go start our own party.
0: (laughs) Okay, cool.
1: The colonies thing does not really work out well. They try that. And of course, you know, after a while it fails.
0: Classic. Yeah, we already tried that, guys. It didn't work. (laughs) Uh,
1: But the the ones who wanted to do the political thing, they literally go to the hotel across the street. (laughs) It's a little petty. And they found their political party there. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love it. Do you think they like played music really loudly and like put a bunch of signs up? <laughs> you know, just to <laughs> rub it in their faces. We're way
1: cooler. We're called the Yeah. Social Democratic Party of America. That was what they
0: Okay, called. they kind of ripped the name too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's a little petty. To be fair, Debs like, you know, he tried to start that initial one and then they stole it from him with their colony ideas.
0: Like you, if you're having a board game night and you want to play a specific game, but then someone brings a new game and you're
1: like, oh, damn it. And everyone's like, oh, this is, yeah, I love this game. (laughs) And then you have to play, what would be a board game like that? What what board game do you not like besides Monopoly, which no one likes?
0: No one likes Monopoly, except for Psychopaths. Probably like Risk, probably Risk. Risk. It's just too hard and too long. Risk
1: can take too long, but it's kind of fun, but it kind of takes too long.
0: This is controversial. Catan is okay, but it, I feel like I, I get bored with it. Yeah. I just want to be too nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem.
1: When people trade, you're like, I guess that will help you out. Sure, yeah, I can do yeah, that.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just like, well, it's an equal trade for us. Like, yeah.
1: All right, moving All on right. from Risk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 Back to the new party. The Social, Social Democratic, Democratic party. party. Yeah,
1: 1898 okay. is when that happens. That's when they had that fateful meeting. They you know, say we're going to fight for socialism. We're going to, you know, they define that as the collective ownership of the means of production for the common good and welfare of the people. You know, they um, basically say that's what they're going to fight for. And they're kind of prominent nationwide too. Uh, they run Eugene Debs as their candidate for president in 1900 when Fuck he yeah. gets 87,000 votes, 0.63% of the of the popular vote there. Not a ton.
0: No, not a lot. It sounds
1: kind of impressive. Oh, oh, 87,000. That's a city. Just because
0: I don't know the population, then I'm like, I don't know. It was olden times. Could have been a lot. Is that a
1: lot? (laughs) Yeah, no. Uh, Not that much. No. And the Social Democratic Party, while prominent, is not really around for that long. Oh. Because they merge with other groups to become a bigger, more powerful party.
0: Oh, okay. That's fine then.
1: Yeah, it's in 1901 that they merge with some disaffected members from the Socialist Labor Party, which we talked about before. Mm, Yeah, yeah. And they merge into the Socialist Party of America. Okay. Uh, And this is a very very big tent. As far as the left end of the spectrum goes, it's a big tent kind of party.
0: Who's all in that tent?
1: Well, you have people who are more reformist-minded, more revolutionary-minded, more involved with trade unionists versus more like, Oh, it's all about getting elected all sorts of different groups and people coming originally from different, like, well, the SLP versus the old social democratic party. Like you have Mm -hmm. different people in different ends of that. You also, unfortunately had people coming from different ends of like opinions about racism, race policy or whatever. man. Yeah. You had some folks that were like, not good. Like the, socialist party of louisiana which sounds ridiculous it does they were not good on that they uh supported segregation oh fuck they were like no like black people should be able to vote but which i guess was good but (laughs) they were also like they should be segregated which was bad
0: that's not good
1: yeah but a lot of other states like they basically just didn't make a we are the socialist party and this is our racial platform. They just, the different States kept doing whatever they wanted to do.
0: Oh fuck guys.
1: But a lot of them did good shit. That's surprising. Like the socialist party of Tennessee, another weird thing mm-hmm. <laughs> said that uh, white supremacist ideology was a tool of the capitalist class to divide and rule the working class.
0: Fuck yeah, it is
1: the socialist party of Virginia passed a res- party resolution to focus more attention on encouraging solidarity between black and white workers. Nice. And to invite non-white workers to join the party? That sounds good. Yeah, they were they were doing positive stuff there.
0: There are some cool people in there. Okay, that's good.
1: One of the weirdest to me was the Socialist Party of I'll give you uh, just it's not the same one as before or your okay. previous guesses, but I'll give you another guess.
0: Um Texas.
1: No, close.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Um, Oklahoma?
1: Okay, okay is right. Oklahoma, yeah.
0: There we go.
1: Oklahoma, the Socialist Party of Oklahoma.
0: <laughs> Neat.
1: They led opposition to that state's uh, ballot initiative in 1910, which was for a grandfather clause.
0: Okay, what does that mean?
1: Now, grandfather clause, typically, right, we think of that as just like, oh, the policy changed, so I get to still do the thing because I was already, yeah.
0: I used to work for a company where they didn't cover birth control for that reason. Oof. <laughs> it was not good.
1: Yeah. The grandfather clause in terms, uh, in this terms, was about voting. Mm. And this was something that Southern states used. And the way it worked was that they would put in a literacy test.
0: Oh, God.
1: A literacy test that was super hard. Oh,
0: good, good, good. All right?
1: Anybody who wasn't like a college professor of grammar or whatever, like would fail this test but if your grandfather had been eligible to vote <laughs> that's so then shitty. you were fine you were good
0: that's so shitty
1: and so they you know they just
0: effectively yeah blocked all black people and that that sucks oh my god
1: so there was a ballot initiative on that like on putting that in place and the socialist party of oklahoma led the opposition to that
0: well good job D- did it work
1: <laughs> and i believe they defeated it
0: oh nice Pleasantly surprised.
1: I was looking into them specifically in Oklahoma and just pulling some numbers on that because it was so surprising to me that uh, they actually were pretty powerful in Oklahoma for a little while. Nice. In 1912, Eugene Debs got 16% of the vote in Oklahoma. In 1914, they ran a candidate for governor named Fred Holt, who got 20% of the vote. Damn, okay. Like Came really close, you know. Showing up. This is bizarre because this state went for Trump <laughs> in twenty sixteen like sixty five percent to twenty eight percent. Oklahoma and In so the twenties, they were voting for they were voting for socialists. That's, you know, that's pretty nuts. What the heck? Or in the in the nineteen tens, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> um.
0: Man, it's a weird state.
1: There apparently was like a socialist armed uprising mm-hmm. in Oklahoma Whoa. called the Green Corn Rebellion. That sounds cool. Well, it ends up bad. I mean, they get crushed.
0: (laughs) Okay. It didn't end up cool.
1: And then the socialist party like becomes anathema in Oklahoma. Everybody's just like, fuck you guys, you know, after that. That sucks. But yeah, I was just like, man, I've never heard of a socialist insurrection.
0: (laughs) In Oklahoma. That's awesome. That's pretty nuts.
1: Very surprising thing for me to learn there. But that's all part of the socialist party of America. Some other big players, I guess, that they had was a guy named Victor Berger. He spelled it B-E-R-G-E-R, not like a hamburger, but like...
0: Like Burgermeister Meister, Burger.
1: Yeah. And he was the first socialist to serve in the U.S. Congress. Oh, okay. He was one of the founders of the party, and uh, he gets sent to Congress in an election in 1910, Wisconsin's 5th Congressional District.
0: Good job, Wisconsin.
1: Yeah, they sent a socialist to Congress in 1910.
0: House or Senate?
1: Which one? In the House. Okay. And he supported eliminating the presidential veto. Nice. Abolishing the Senate.
0: Also good.
1: He also supported nationalizing major industries. Uh, yeah. And he supported an old age pension bill. Okay. Because this is in 1910. This is before like Social Security or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's interesting because he, he gets arrested later on in 1918. Gets arrested for criticizing World War I.
0: Oh yeah, you could do that back then, huh? I I think you can can still do it now.
1: Yeah, that's the Espionage Act—the part that like is still, yeah, they can still do stuff to you for that.
0: Yeah, that sucks.
1: (laughs) Cool. They, you know, they arrested him, they convicted him, they said they were going to lock him up for twenty years, Uh, and he got that overturned on an appeal. But uh, while he was indicted for that crime, uh, he was elected. He was like reelected to his to his seat anyway
0: (laughs) okay so he's popular
1: yeah milwaukee was specifically where he was from and they uh you know they elected him to congress and congress was like this dude is indicted for you know betraying his country blah 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 (laughs) so they refused to seat him so they held a special election they're like we got to figure out something else to do right yeah yeah. uh and he won again (laughs)
0: that's fantastic
1: <laughs> they were just you know M- milwaukee just gave him the finger and where they're just like no we're sending this guy
0: i really like this guy i love that too popular
1: congress uh they refused to seat him again
0: oh my god congress figure it out
1: and they left they didn't even let him hold a special election they left the seat vacant for a year until a republican won the seat oh my god yeah asshole.
0: classy move
1: and uh later he ends up winning the that seat back from that guy again Looking. and wins like three more like elec- re-elections fuck yeah he's just like super popular for he was um part of a movement called the sewer socialists okay what the fuck is that so it's not a real political party but it's like if we were to call someone like a blue dog democrat or like a mm, okay like, i don't know like a moderate democrat or whatever mm-hmm. it's like a like a
0: like a sub section like a like mm-hmm. the tea party maybe or
1: yeah uh-huh or or never trumpers or something mm, yeah. you know So the sewer socialists were, originally people were making fun of them and calling them sewer socialists, but they were very practical minded. And so they were like, we're socialists, but we're all about like, we're going to fix shit.
0: So reformists.
1: Uh, I guess, yeah, they they were mainly reformist in, in what they in their big picture, but they weren't very big picture. Uh, They were like, elect me and I'm going to fix your streets. I'm going to make sure your sewage system works. I'm going to make sure that things are good for you in your city. Very practical, direct stuff. I'm just also a social. Yeah. So
0: like more like infrastructure, maybe, maybe a little wonky Mm -hmm. Were they kind of wonky.
1: No, I wouldn't characterize them so much as wonky as much as like public works or.
0: Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Like
1: getting stuff done for like concrete stuff done for people rather than saying, Like, while he did also say, I oppose the presidential veto Mm -hmm. or I want to abolish the Senate, he also was like, I want to get these things specifically fixed in our city. Yeah. Yeah. Less
0: abstract. That's cool. Because, I mean, I think infrastructure obviously is a huge fucking problem in the States. So, like, and it's not seen as a very cool and sexy topic but we fucking need people who care about that
1: yeah and that's why people were deriding them as the sewer <laughs> socialist because they were like you guys are just like too s-. it was kind of calling them like small mm. small potatoes or something like you guys are not really
0: yeah yeah too focused
1: but he was like oh fuck it i mean <laughs> milwaukee likes it they're sending me yeah right <laughs> repeatedly that's i think one of the reasons he was so popular yeah it was victor burger he's not all good he was kind of like racist oh god dang it Besides that, he was, like, pretty
0: That good. sucks. Okay.
1: It was, like, good besides that, and that was, <laughs> I mean, that's really bad. So
0: Yeah, yeah, that is a bad one.
1: Then we talked a little bit about Debs already and his kind of background, uh, and he was the Socialist Party of America's presidential candidate. Okay. He gets 6% of the popular vote in 1912 as a socialist.
0: I mean, not terrible.
1: Not really, no. I mean...
0: Considering...
1: All right, what 2016, let's see what third parties pulled down there. Libertarian Party, 3%.
0: Okay, so they did better than them.
1: (laughs) Green Party, 1%. Yeah, way better. Uh, Way better than both of those combined. Uh, That was the Socialist Party (laughs) in um, 1912. Uh, And in 1920, while literally in prison, he got more than 900,000 votes.
0: That's awesome.
1: Uh, it's slightly. I think it's like five point something percent, but yeah. like, it's still in the area of that.
0: Still pretty good, considering
1: when he is actually in prison. <laughs> <laughs> he was in prison the same similar reason as as Berger got thrown into prison, and Emma Goldman got deported was opposition to World War One.
0: Cool, cool law we have.
1: Yeah, the normal country. Um, <laughs> it's one of my favorite refrains these days.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally fine. <laughs>
1: He was arrested for telling a crowd in a speech. They tell us that we live in a great free republic, that our institutions are democratic, that we are a free and self-governing people. That is too much even for a joke. <laughs> wars throughout history have been waged for conquest and plunder, and that is war in a nutshell. Fucking yeah The master class has always declared the wars. The subject class has always fought the battles.
0: That That's fucking right on the nose.
1: Yep, and it was so right on the nose that they tossed him in the jury.
0: (laughs) They did not like it. Oh, man.
1: When they brought him to trial, he told the jury, I've been accused of obstructing the war. I admit it. Gentlemen, I abhor war. I would oppose war if I stood alone. I have sympathy with the suffering, struggling people everywhere. It does not make any difference under what flag they were born or where they live. Fuck yeah. He was super cool in that trial. Um... He like just doesn't offer a defense. He's just like, "You guys suck. This law sucks." Like, yeah, like Emma did. So they were like, "Well, fine. We're convicting you." <laughs> they convicted him, found him guilty. You know, the judge was going to sentence him, and they let him give a address to the court and the jury and the judge or whatever. There's a quote from him in that that is like one of my favorite. I'm just like, damn. This is like me. Like, this is my mm-hmm. my political credo, credo, creed political creed
0: I don't know the difference
1: <laughs> it's the main thing that I hold Creed's to Creed's
0: fine in my, mantra
1: my mantra yeah it's like one of my favorite quotes of it and he says your honor years ago I recognized my kinship with all living beings mm. and I made up my mind that I was not one bit better than the meanest on earth I said then and I say now that while there is a lower class I am in it while there is a criminal element I am of it and while there is a soul in prison, I am not free. That's so nice. Yeah. I'm like, oh.
0: that's very good. It's
1: part of a kind of a grander speech that he gives about how socialism is coming like the rising sun and will bring yeah. about a new dawn of people and everything. But
0: fuck yeah, it is.
1: But that's always the part that I'm like, oh,
0: yeah, that's so nice.
1: Because, you know, I guess he kind of recognizes like he's not really in all the situations that people are in, but he mm-hmm. is still fighting.
0: He's fighting for them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he gets thrown in jail. Woodrow Wilson repeatedly refused to pardon him cuz he's a dick.
0: <laughs> of course
1: he is. Uh so yeah, this, that, that's that kind of is the beginning of the Socialist Party of America. They stick around for a lot longer till like 1972 is when they finally break up in a few different directions. Okay. And we'll kind of mention them some when we when we explore the later half of socialist party histories and stuff or leftist parties. That kind of wraps up where we get to with, with the early parties.
0: Cool. Wait, was Debs racist?
1: No, Debs was not racist. <laughs> okay, Debs good. Uh, we can
0: still like Debs.
1: He originally put into in their first meeting and stuff in the Socialist Party when they were founding that and all. Mm-hmm. He supported a plank that was for equal rights for all human beings without distinction of color, race, or sex. Fuck yeah. But that uh, that's got... Opposed or like watered down, or like just kind of, they were like, no, we don't need to have it. And that's where we were talking about like all the states had their own stupid shit.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But Debs was on record as being in favor of racial equality. Nice. So he was good. Burger, problematic.
0: Mm, Yeah. Problematic. Okay.
1: Popular, but problematic. Uh, Debs, also popular, (laughs) popular, just not as problematic. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's kind of. That's where we end up.
0: All right. I'm trying to think if I have any questions. I'm looking over my notes because I was a big nerd and took notes. (laughs) So, yeah, I I asked kind of a similar question with one of the earlier groups. So as far as the Socialist Party, it sounds like they were a little more focused on like electoral stuff. Is that accurate?
1: Yeah, that is. They had, like I said, they had different factions and groups within sort of who identify different ways. And so some people would be like more involved with mm-hmm. trade union activities and stuff i think that generally everyone there would have found there would have been pro-union yeah yeah but you had any you had kind of a spectrum to where like on the far end you would have people who would say we need to take electoral office change things unions can kind of barely fix things for the workers currently but they're not going to actually do any political good
0: yeah yeah so it was kind of just a shift of where their focus was
1: yeah because like the far other end would be like we need to use elections to show people that we're cool and that capitalism sucks but where we're really going to make change is labor union agitation and direct action
0: yeah so i know we talked about in terms of like how many votes these people would get how popular they were but like do they have numbers for how popular they were in that term (laughs) But I mean like in terms of membership like how many people did they have around that time?
1: In the for the Socialist Party? Yes. When do you want? Like the peak? Yeah, sure. Let's see. 1912 they have 118,000 members.
0: Okay. That's pretty good. That's the peak. Okay.
1: Uh what other questions do you have?
0: I think I'm good. <laughs> I feel like I didn't contribute much today.
1: No, that it was a it was kind of a a research one. Which one was your Favorite and your least favorite.
0: Okay, my favorite. Hmm. Oh gosh.
1: You can do favorite and least favorite party or a mm-hmm. person, excluding like the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, like straight up I'm not bad not pick a bad guy. Woodrow Wilson, well, he was cool. No, <laughs>
0: yeah, Woodrow Wilson was my favorite. I think I liked the New York Comedy Club. They sounded pretty cool.
1: Yeah. And they were first. Like, yeah. that's impressive that they were doing that in 1857.
0: Yeah. Um, didn't they? They had a pretty progressive like platform, too, right?
1: Yeah. No distinction for nationality or race. Yeah. Or fuck yeah. Sex.
0: Yeah. I liked them. I mean, I also. I mean, Deb sounds cool as fuck. I think it's interesting that he was so, like, practical minded. I guess that was more burger or whatever. But I think that's interesting that that kind of took off here. I wonder if that's an american thing or what because i'm curious as to like what those london socialists were doing and other places you know
1: i find that interesting too because like you said with the practical application of it it's it's like what we're looking at in the primary and stuff with bernie's proposals and things always polling really well
0: yeah yeah
1: you know everybody's like damn yeah i do want medicare for (laughs) all i do want free college you know i do want this stuff but when you tell them like oh cool well that's socialist they're like well i don't know if it should be that extreme
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of sucks it feels like like i don't remember who but you're talking about that guy that was like um, well they're going to call us communists anyway and it's like well which one do we do do we just admit that it's those are policies that are kind of socialist or do we just like try to hide it like it just seems fucking it's frustrating that we even have to have these conversations you know
1: i, I agree I think, <laughs> I guess this is a De Leon approach to it, but I would say we should do both. Yeah. We should, there should be some people out there that are saying, look, communism isn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Socialism isn't that bad. It's cool and it can do good stuff and we should do it. Yeah. And try to convert people to that. Meanwhile, have people who are out there saying, we're going to do Americanism and it's going to be <laughs> good. and We're going to help people. Yeah. Yeah. People, right. We're going to help people. (laughs)
0: Just talk about the benefits of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, FDR style, social democracy. Mm -hmm. We're going to improve things for the people who need it. We're going to, you know, who need help. We're going to help them. And we're going to make life better for everybody. And sure, yeah, some people might call what we're doing socialist and communist, but really, this is America. <laughs> you know, and yeah, like,
0: don't worry about it. Just follow me. <laughs>
1: yeah. Because some people, unfortunately, they just need that. You know? Yeah. They will never come around to, you know, or they, they might. Some but people. But it'll be very hard to yeah. get them around.
0: Yeah. I also, I thought it was interesting that, like, you know similar to how we are today these groups tended to fracture a lot and they were very big tents like if you you know you look at DSA like ever there's yeah. all kinds of folks in there you know there's anarchists uh-huh. and there's you know electoralists and all that and so it is very hard to run such a big platform like that and i don't know i just i thought that was interesting that that continues to be an issue
1: mhm yeah it was going on then Man, when we cover the second the second part of this, it's going to be the, just <laughs> just as bad or worse. There are so many different, and we're not going to cover them all. We're just not. Yeah, yeah. There are too many of There's them. There's no way. There's a, a sect for every different stripe, and then usually <laughs> there ends up being two, because one of them got mad at the other.
0: <laughs> Everyone's messy.
1: It, I guess, yeah, you're right. It is good too good to but like relieving to see that it's a
0: <laughs> yeah it's not just us we're not just like stupid and we can't figure it out like people have been trying this for a long time
1: yeah yeah for sure
0: i like too that that common thread of whenever there's like an economic downturn people seem to turn to these ideas like every single <laughs> panic that they had and now every single depression that you have there is going to be that reaction and i feel like that's, like, we were talking about utopian versus materialist, and, like, that seems to be a point in the materialist's favor.
1: Yeah. Because the in between, it's easy to kind of buy the explanation of capitalism. That, like, well, we do these things, and your boss isn't the nicest person, and you have to struggle and stuff. But, like... Ultimately things work out and you're yeah okay. you
0: can make it it'll be okay yeah yeah
1: and like you're li- what you're living in a house you have food you have a job that pays you money and you have a little bit of extra money that you can spend mm-hmm. it's not that bad it's okay it's fine you wouldn't want to lose all that would you <laughs> and then when you lose all that
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then you do
1: then you're like hey fucker like
0: <laughs> that didn't work
1: yeah you were lying and then they're yeah. like yeah but I needed you to work for me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think what ends up happening is that even when capitalism is quote unquote going well, you know, if we're in one of our boom periods, like someone is still suffering there. It's Mm -hmm. just whenever we have those downturns, it's like people like more people are suffering. Some more people are angry about it.
1: Yeah. The numbers swell. Yeah. And people who were all along saying that this wasn't fair, find a, bunch of new converts to that because now a bunch of people have been put in there and there's like, you know, where like you were saying put in their situation where they've been all along.
0: Yeah. It's just kind of interesting to see these similar patterns, I guess.
1: I I think we're right now we're trying to figure out whether we're really going to be in a prolonged bad period or if we're (laughs) just going to come back, you know, like for a while there, it seemed like, holy shit, you know, everybody's been thrown into economic disaster we could have a big movement happen yeah yeah and now we're trying to figure out if that's really going to be the case or if they're gonna you know magic their way out of it
0: yeah i mean i think i think that's why there was such a big fucking push to reopen stuff because they got, mm-hmm. they can't just have a bajillion people unemployed and angry
1: yeah because when <laughs> they start big mass meetings of unemployed people you end up with shit like the working men's party and the socialist <laughs> labor party you know like that's how yeah. you get that's how you get that shit
0: yeah, for sure. They have to keep us all in our wage slavery.
1: <laughs> or or the panics and stuff. If you have uh, people going out on strike because you're throwing them out of their houses, you know, and you shut down, you have a strike that's big enough to shut down the nation's transportation network, uh, you know, you have to send in the troops and shit. You end up radicalizing people. You end up, you know, starting a party that's going to take 15% <laughs> of your vote.
0: Yeah, that's pretty nuts, dude.
1: They they definitely have consequences, and I think you're right that they are trying to avoid those, <laughs> getting everybody back to work,
0: back to the grind.
1: If a million people who would have been organizing against you die of a virus in in the in the course of that, I don't think they're going to count that as too big of a loss.
0: No, I think they're going to be like, oh, thank God we don't we don't get mobbed by them. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. It's. <laughs> shit
1: like we were saying earlier like if if people don't do that then it doesn't happen you know we may Mm -hmm. be i think (laughs) we very may well be living in that alternate dark timeline of (laughs) well we should have fixed things before
0: yeah (laughs) yeah it it, yeah definitely feels like i don't like a carrot stick kind of thing of just like oh it's not that bad you know like every time it's like we get close enough to like oh maybe this will actually fucking change something it's like Somehow, someone pulls some levers and the "quote unquote" economy goes back up, or they just announce that it goes back up, and so I guess that's fine. Like, oh yeah, I I think it's really like we've talked about like the stock market before. Like that shit doesn't affect me. <laughs>
1: like it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't affect most people in terms of its minute movements. The only way it affects you is if the masters of the economy mm-hmm. what they determine based on it. Yeah. It's like the weather forecast for them. And if they decide to cut your job based on that, then it will affect you.
0: Yeah, it just it just all feels so just shadowy and just abstract.
1: All that is solid melts into air, as Mark said. Oh,
0: yeah, I like that. That's a lot better than what I said.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a crazy world um, and it doesn't make sense and it's not supposed to make sense because when it makes sense, you can figure a way out of it. Shit. Let's uh, on that bright note. Yeah, shit. <laughs> we're gonna do a little mini segment here that we'll sometimes do.
0: Yes, hopefully not too much.
1: Hopefully, yeah, because it's <laughs> it's when we fucked up.
0: It's called the Corrections Corner, not in like a carceral way.
1: Oh yeah, the, this is our <laughs> Department of Corrections. Yeah, no, 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 no. This is when we've said something incorrect. Or not said something (laughs) in part of today's (laughs) case. So we'll start with the saying something incorrect. I was vainly listening to our...
0: The drunk Chomsky episode.
1: The drunk drunk Chomsky one. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) We were talking about American interventions throughout the world. Yeah. And I talked about Jacob Arbenz. I talked about uh, Salvador Allende. But I also talked about Iran erroneously. I said... I think the quote was knocking off the Shah of Iran, and I think I said that twice. I think that no, was just wrong. I had <laughs> drunk wine in sufficient quantities. What I meant was knocking off their prime minister, Mohammad Mossadegh.
0: Yeah. Oh.
1: Yeah. So that was a CIA operation involving a fellow named Kermit Roosevelt Jr.
0: What a name!
1: <laughs> yeah, this was a uh, Teddy Roosevelt's grandson. Okay. And he was in uh, the OSS, which is the forerunner to the CIA. And then okay. he was in CIA. Um, and he was um, involved in fomenting a coup.
0: What's fomenting?
1: It's like starting riling okay. up.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, he was riling up a coup in Iran in 1953. Sure. And they basically like, they pay off people. They, they give people guns. They get everything Going, and this is with the approval of, like, you know, I mean, this is CIA op, like, this is the government doing it. Ugh. They get Mohammad Mosaddegh overthrown because he was going to try to nationalize British Petroleum.
0: Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> and, you know, use the proceeds for Iran and stuff. God. So they got him overthrown, put in house arrest until he died. Wow. Um, we then went on to back up the Shah. The Shah of Iran, who we did not kill, but we were actually, we were like <laughs> protecting.
0: Okay. Is this the guy whose wife bathed in milk?
1: Oh, wow. I don't know.
0: I mean, is this the guy from Argo is what I'm asking?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Shah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, and he like flees the country and goes to like Egypt in exile or something. Okay. But yeah, he's this Argo is about the Iranian revolution, which kind of, we put things into motion. Mm -hmm. that started it, Mm -hmm. we overthrow Mossadegh, right? And that lets the Shah hammer down. Now he doesn't have any sort of domestic opposition or anything. He can do what he wants and he rules like a tyrant long enough to where people are like, fuck that. Let's get rid of him. They have the Iranian revolution and overthrow him and he has to flee the country. Shit. Okay. But we, yeah. So that's the correction there is that we didn't knock off the Shah uh, America liked the Shah and they tried to help him. The guy that they knocked off was Mohammed Mossadegh in the Iranian coup d'etat in 1953. Okay. We fixed it. (laughs) Yeah. Another correction comes from a, was pointed out to us um, in kind of a negative review, (laughs) which for this specific criticism was deserved.
0: Yeah. This part. Yeah. The rest of it.
1: Uh, When we were doing our Russian Revolution episode, we covered some things and not others. Yeah. We left something out. (laughs) Uh, When we talked about the Tsar and his family getting uh, put under house arrest by the provisional government. (laughs) We didn't
0: talk about what happened, I guess. (laughs) The result.
1: Yeah, we didn't. We like forgot, basically. We just went on to the Civil War. Mm -hmm. And so we never addressed how that house arrest
0: played out <laughs> not well is the answer and i know this from downton abbey
1: yeah oh yeah, yeah. when branson's like oh but they did i can't yeah. they did that yeah he's all heartbroken yeah because he now has a problematic fave he does <laughs> but yeah so we didn't address the execution of the his family
0: yeah that was bad
1: uh yeah they were like hanging out in house arrest like binding their time and even when the november of uh, the october revolution rather happened they were like that will probably i don't know that sounds worrying but not a big deal um but eventually i mean they do uh the soviet government's like no we can't have this guy alive he's a piece of shit he's gonna try to get out of here and go into exile and like come back with an army or something you know yeah and they just wanted to they they killed him they executed that sucks. Him and his family that sucks except for of course anastasia who exig- <laughs> no, i'm just i'm just kidding she
0: did right. not escape guys not real
1: i guess you know The least charitable interpretation you can give to that is revisionist history. But (laughs) what actually happened was that we we were just stupid and we forgot. Yeah.
0: (laughs) There was a lot to cover in that episode. We were moving pretty fast.
1: They get themselves executed July 1918. The Soviet government gets rid of them, executes them. Whoops. They're awakened at 2 a.m. They get dressed, they get led down into the half-basement room at the back of the Ipatiev house. Um, They were saying, like, oh, we're going to move you because anti-Bolshevik forces are coming in, and, you know, there might be a fight, and you guys might get hit. Mm -hmm. They get a firing squad together, waiting in a a room nearby. They kill them. That sucks. The main guy announces to them that the Ural Soviet of workers, deputies, had decided to execute them. Damn. Nicholas asks, what? What did you say? And he repeats the order. And Nicholas says, you know not what you do.
0: Like Jesus?
1: And then they draw their handguns and begin shooting.
0: Whoa. Kind of a power move to quote Jesus at that moment.
1: (laughs) Everybody's got the last words they want to go down with, I guess. I guess, Now, this is just reported. I mean, I don't know who would have been there to... To report it, I guess, a Soviet because it's under Soviet control. And yeah, they, I mean, that's like the whole family and they're getting shot. So sucks. Yeah, not good. That's another one in the category of bad.
0: Yeah, very bad. Not, I'm not for that.
1: I guess that also gets lumped into the cruelties of the Civil War. No, because it is technically in that period. They're already fighting. It's all part of that is like you're. You know, they're fighting for survival, or whatever. So they feel like, hey, maybe we've got to execute a guy and his family.
0: I just looked it up. One, A dog survived. Alexi's spaniel, Joy. <laughs> so they didn't kill the dog. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad that the dog survived.
0: At least there's that.
1: But there we go. A revisionist history fixed. Zara and family executed.
0: Yeah, it sucks.
1: Um, so yeah, anyway, apologies for that. Anyone who didn't who felt shortchanged by that, hopefully, those are fixed now. And please feel free to let us know if we fall short of your standards in any way in the future.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, next time we are going to well, you're starting school, so like I'm gonna do the research for next nice. time. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll, I'll
1: I'll be dealing with teacher stuff already in real life. So we'll turn mm-hmm. the tables here and I'll get to do a little studenting Take a break.
0: <laughs> yes. So we're going to learn about Russian constructivism.
1: All right. That is briefly. That's what they were doing in posters and stuff.
0: Yes. Right. So basically the graphic design aesthetic of Russia in the early 1900s.
1: Okay, cool.
0: Some cool shit. I'm probably going to have to figure out a way to share some images with our listeners. I might just like end up posting them on Twitter or something just so people can reference them. And as they listen along.
1: Sounds good.
0: All right. Well, until then you can find us on social media. We are on Twitter at teach communism, Instagram at teach me communism. If you want to send us an email, if you want to, you know, ask us a question, or give us a correction uh, or a suggestion for a topic on a future episode, you can email us at teachmecommunism at gmail.com. We are also on YouTube if you prefer to listen to our episodes there. And we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash teachmecommunism. And that's where we upload our episode notes. Um, Usually they're Grady's notes because he's very thorough. Um, But sometimes I'll have notes for like movies we watch and shit. And be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, rate and review. Um, I feel like more people are finding us and that's very exciting. So yeah, keep telling people about us. That's awesome.
1: All right. Well, uh, thanks for being an awesome student as always.
0: Thanks. Thanks for teaching me stuff. Yeah.
1: And listeners, uh, you can catch us next week on another episode of teach me communism where the class struggle is always in session. Smell you later. Bye. And.